Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from Rachel Maddow, The Young Turks, and Slate Magazine. Those are some of the stories that we are keeping an eye on this morning. But now it's time to check back in with our old pal, the drunk prospector. Eureka! To find out the final story on today's Rachel Maddow Show front page. First story on the front page today was about the president lying even about the size of the fish he caught when he told a German newspaper that the high point of his presidency was catching a seven and a half pound perch in his lake in Texas. Of course, the world record for the largest perch ever caught is three pounds less than that. But let's just pretend it didn't happen. Uh, second story on the front page today is the Rachel Maddow Show take on this big political story of the week. Uh, everybody's talking about the CIA. Porter Goss resigns abruptly with no explanation. There's a big hookers and bribery scandal swirling around him. Now we have the resignation of Dusty Fago, the executive director of the CIA as well. Yesterday, Bush announced his new pick to run the agency from now on, Air Force General Michael Hayden. A big shout out to The Daily Show for comparing the announcement of Michael Hayden's nomination with the announcement that Bush made less than two years ago when he appointed Porter Goss. Check this out from The Daily Show. So Porter Goss ousted the man set to replace him, Air Force General Michael Hayden, whom Bush nominated this morning. Mike Hayden is supremely qualified for this position. He's the right man to lead the CIA at this critical moment in our nation's history. The right man at the critical moment in our nation's history. That's reassuring. He's the right man. Critical moment. Wait a minute. What did Bush say when he appointed Goss two years ago? He's the right man to lead this important agency at this critical moment in our nation's history. Daily Show hitting it out of the park by making that comparison last night. Uh, but the, I have to say there are a couple of things that nobody is really remembering about Michael Hayden and his record. You know that he's the guy who designed the whole spying on Americans without a court order thing, right? A year after the 9-11 attacks, he told Congress that if anyone set foot in the U.S., including Osama bin Laden, if anyone stepped foot in the United States, then the U.S. government could not wiretap them without getting a court order, which is bullpucky. He himself was running the wiretapping program at that time that was wiretapping a whole bunch of people without a warrant. He lied to Congress the year after September 11th. Number two, you may as remember us reporting on this guy back in January of this year. We should go back in time to January 2006 when Michael Hayden gave a speech at the National Press Club defending the wiretapping program, and he got into a bizarre rant about what is and isn't in the Constitution. Do you remember this? Here he is being asked a question by Jonathan Landay of Knight Ritter. Listen to Hayden's response. I'm no lawyer, but my understanding is that the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution specifies that you must have probable cause to be able to do a, a, a search that does not violate an American's right against uh, unlawful seizures and ser- uh, searches and seizures. Actually, do you the Fourth Amendment actually uh, protects all of us against unreasonable search and seizure. But, that's, the, that's but the, says. the measure is probable cause, I believe. The amendment says unreasonable search and seizure. But does it not say probable? No. The, no. The court standard, the legal standard, search and seizure. the legal standard is probable cause. What? Michael Hayden exchanged with a reporter from Knight Ritter saying he knows what's in the Constitution. He doesn't need to be told by some freaking reporter what's in the Constitution. There's no probable cause standard in the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. 
for the record, the Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause. This is the guy who we want. This is the guy making up his own Bill of Rights. This is the guy who we want to be promoted to be in charge of spying? Really? Two factors that should not be forgotten in this debate over Michael Hayden. All right, now, uh, Jill, don't worry, you didn't miss all of NSA. Here comes Jack Cafferty to tell you all about it. Uh, this is, the, uh, of course, the program where the president and the administration and the NSA is spying uh, on all Americans, it turns out. Nearly all Americans, tens of millions of Americans, they are regulating uh, and, and monitoring all of your calls. And uh, he's, uh, well, Jack Cafferty is on here uh, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the situation room with Wolf Blitzer. Jack Cafferty, he's in New York right now. Jack. I don't know about wisdom, but you're getting a little outraged. We better all hope nothing happens to Arlen Specter, the Republican head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, because he might be all that's standing between us and a full-blown dictatorship in this country. He's vowed to question these phone company executives about volunteering to provide the government with my telephone records and yours and tens of millions of other Americans. Shortly after 9-11, AT&T, Verizon, and Bell South began providing the super-secret NSA with information on phone calls of millions of our citizens. All part of the war on terror, President Bush says. Why don't you go find Osama bin Laden and seal the country's borders and start inspecting the containers that come into our ports? The President rushed out this morning in the wake of this front page story in USA Today and declared the government's doing nothing wrong and all this is just fine. Is it? Is it legal? Then why did the Justice Department suddenly drop its investigation of the warrantless spying on citizens? Because the NSA said Justice Department lawyers didn't have the necessary security clearance to do the investigation. Read that sentence again. A secret government agency has told our Justice Department that it's not allowed to investigate it. And the Justice Department just says okay and drops the whole thing. We're in some serious trouble here, boys and girls. Here's the question. Does it concern you that your phone company may be voluntarily providing your phone records to the government without your knowledge or your permission? If it doesn't, it sure as hell ought to. Email us your thoughts at CafferdyFile at CNN.com or go to CNN.com slash CafferdyFile. Wolf. Words of wisdom, as I said, Jack. Uh, outraged uh, as you clearly are. Thanks very much. Oh, Wolf Butcher, as usual, totally not listening. <laughs> and Wolf, I Wolf. was getting a pop tart. Thank you, Jack Cafferty. <laughs> it was blueberry. No, no, no. You're not doing Wolf Butcher justice. I mean, or you're doing a far too much justice. That. Man, he's the least electrifying guy yeah, I've ever met. And Thank you, Jack Caverty. Good point. I had a Pop-Tart. It was delicious. It was blueberry. Turning now back to the administration. <laughs> Jack Caverty just said we're slipping into a dictatorship on CNN. Okay? Wolf Blitzer comes out and says, words of wisdom or outrage. Uh, now, next story. <laughs> He does four hours. It's hard to be. Where is Natalie Holloway? <laughs> Might be turning into dictatorship. Now on to Natalie Holloway. <laughs> Come on, Wolf. A little animation here. Phantom kisses buzzing like the insects. <laughs> 
Beads of sweat dripping down on the red shack My candy land melted down the syrup While I watched the water roll down Those are some of the stories we're keeping an eye on this morning, but every day here on The Rachel Maddow Show, we do enjoy poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine, giving you a little peek at the right-wing political playbook. Uh, today's right-wing political tactic is called boiling the frog. And I thought that everybody knew this metaphor, but Jackie and Nazanin here at the Rachel Maddow Show staff um, uh, had no idea what I was ranting and raving about this morning when I was talking about the boiled frog. Uh, so perhaps it is worth explaining. Uh, basically, the idea is that if, if you throw a frog in boiling water, the frog will jump out. But if you put a frog in, in a pot of room temp water and slowly heat it up, eventually you will boil the frog. You'll kill it because the incremental heating won't ever shock the frog into jumping out. That's the metaphor, right? In the case of the government spying on us, we are the frog, you and me, the American public. The question of whether we save ourselves and jump out of the water and keep ourselves from being boiled uh, depends upon how much of a shock we're experiencing how much of a constitutional shock we can take before we draw the line and say, whoa, you can't do that in this country. The first thing they told us about the NSA spying thing, the first thing they told us about our government spying on phone calls, on private phone calls, uh, without a court order and without oversight, was was with international calls. Uh, they told us, you know, hey, the government has long done this. The government monitors calls between two callers, both of whom are outside the United States. This is one of the things the United States does and has long done. So we're, you know, we're the frog. We're happily swimming around in the pot at this point. Then there were revelations that the U.S. government was actually collecting phone calls where one person on the call was in the United States, but the other person was outside the country. We're still swimming in the pot now, right? Uh, but there was this little noticed caveat that sometimes, occasionally, by accident, both of the callers on those calls were listening to, by accident, sometimes they happened to accidentally be both in the United States. Then we get notice from Michael Hayden and the Attorney General that they can't rule out wiretapping Americans on U.S. soil if they are suspected of having ties to al-Qaeda, wiretapping them without a warrant. And the president ties this back to the idea that somebody from al-Qaeda is calling into the U.S. If somebody from al-Qaeda is calling you, we'd like to know why. Then we find out last week. It's getting a little warmer in the pot now. We find out last week that it's not just international calls between two people internationally. It's not just a call where one person is outside the U.S. and one person is inside. It's not just a call from an al-Qaeda suspect into the country. It's not an inadvertent collection of data about calls when two people are both in the United States. We find out last week that actually all Americans are having their phone records seized by the government without court order and without any oversight. And then yesterday, the FBI confirms, after ABC News posts something about it on their website, the FBI confirms that the U.S. government is using the phone records it is collecting from all Americans, not to run anonymous data mining algorithms to predict and stop terrorist attacks, all the stuff that will never be tied to any one person. No, actually, what we got to by yesterday was the fact that the government is without a warrant, without a court order, without any due process, without any oversight, without us having a right to know, the government is monitoring reporters' phone calls to see where they're getting their information for their stories. 
if you had just thrown us into this pot, we would have jumped out a long time ago. But they have been incrementally heating us up for more than a year now, and we haven't noticed just exactly what a shock to our system we now have confirmed they have done. We now have confirmed they have done to this country and this constitution. We would have jumped out if they just told us this punchline a year ago, but we haven't noticed why it's been heating up all year long. Uh, this is uh, unprecedented stuff. Newt Gingrich, former uh, Speaker of the House for the Republicans, on the NSA program. Get a load of this. On uh, with uh, Hannity and Combs. With uh, uh, Combs. Here we go. 2004, about the whole issue of wiretapping and warrants. Here's what he said then. Secondly, uh, there are such things as roving wiretaps. This is Bush. Now, by the way, in anytime you hear the United States government talking about wiretap. It requires, a wiretap requires a court order. <laughs> Nothing has changed, by the way. When we're talking about chasing down terrorists, we're talking about getting a court order before we do so. Right. Then he said, it, when it came out a little while ago that there was some wiretap, he said it applies only to international communications. And now we're finding something else. So it just seems we're not getting a consistent story here, are we? No, you're <laughs> not. Why not? Look, I'm, I'm not, Alan, I'm not going to defend the indefensible. The Bush administration this has an Newt obligation Gingrich. to level with the American people. And I'm prepared to defend a very aggressive anti-terrorist campaign. And I'm prepared to defend the idea that the government ought to know who's making the calls as long as that information is only used against terrorists and as long as the Congress knows that it's underway. But I don't think the way they've handled this can be defended by reasonable people. It is sloppy. It is contradictory. Uh, and frankly, for normal Americans, it makes no sense to listen to these three totally different explanations. Here's what the president said in April of 2004. Yep. Right, so there's the, there's the, uh, that's, the, that's the gist of it. All right. Well, there it is. Newt Gingrich, of all people, saying, I am not going to defend the indefensible. The indefensible. Think about that. We started building for those better days. Said embrace each other through this darkest night. And if we all work together, this whole world will see the light. And I woke up and I realized we've got to stand and fight. There must be 50 ways to dump the W. Our first topic today is the NSA is paying more attention to our phones than we previously knew. Three telecom uh, companies helped the NSA gather information about phone calls after September 11th. They apparently were not listening to the phone calls, or all of them anyway, but they were collecting massive amounts of data about the, the calls themselves in order to try and see if there were some patterns and uh, something that they could mine in order to uh, find the terrorists. The president didn't, didn't address this report in USA Today on Thursday directly, but he once again reiterated what he said before and what people largely haven't bought, uh, which is that anything that's being done, though he won't really tell us what it is, is perfectly legal. 
Uh, Emily, your uh, thoughts about your phone conversations and whether they're being <laughs> tapped or mined. So there are a the few NSA. different things here. One is, are they collecting the numbers that are being called or the substance of the conversation? That's always the first like important distinction to civil liberties distinction to make because they are sort of what you think of as like the outside of the envelope, which is like the number that you're dialing and the number you're dialing from, and then the idea of looking for lots of patterns in that. And I think it's been pretty clear that the government has been doing that, um, even domestically, but certainly domestic to international. And then there's whether they're actually listening in on everyone's domestic phone calls, which they have said repeatedly from the beginning that they are not doing. And I just, I mean, Bush was so adamant about saying that he's not doing that. There is obviously some piece of ground that they're standing on that justifies that statement because he's being so, you know, clear about that. So from a civil civil liberties perspective, the ACLU get, finding out this bit of information about the NSA, is there a lawsuit here? I mean, is that, it seems to me, you know, as a as a citizen, I couldn't care less if the NSA is collecting all the numbers that people are calling. That seems, in fact, it seems like they should be doing that. It seems great if they're looking for that kind of pattern. I mean, that the danger is when you start looking at the substance of it, but that the the actual amassing of that data seems largely innocuous to well, me. The case law goes exactly in the line you're saying. The The outside of the envelope routing information is um, you don't need to necessarily have a search warrant or probable cause to get that. It's looking inside the message and reading the message or listening in on the phone calls that traditionally has been protected by, you know, you have to go get a warrant and a magistrate has to sign off on it. Now here's a question. Does the data mining give you the probable cause you need to then start listening in on the conversations? Probably not. I mean, that's the government's problem. If if the data mining did, then they wouldn't be going about things in this way. And the example someone always gives. Wait, is why, like, why? I don't understand that. Why wouldn't the data mining then be able you then be say, able to use that for probable? Say cause? you have Abu Zubaydah's address book. Can you then listen in on the phone conversations of every single person he called, even if probably half of them are the pizza guy? And the answer traditionally has been no. You can't just have like Abu Zubaydah called this guy, and now I'm listening to all the phone calls he he makes. That traditionally has not been enough, and there, you know. So what can you do when you get Abu Zubaydah's address book by looking at his phone records? The NSA gets. What can you then do with them? So I think the traditional law enforcement techniques would be to start with all of the calls, monitoring all the calls back and forth, and then trying to build another sort of case for why you would want to particularly, you know, tail or listen in on some of those people, either because you know other things about them, or because otherwise, if you think about it, just the volume is too overwhelming. I mean, they can't be, they, they get lost in just these millions and millions of data. Although we should remember that, of course, uh, the president apparently has set a new standard, which actually doesn't, the probable cause standards of the FISA court don't exist under what some of what they've been doing because they've been going around the FISA court. So presumably, though you know, this data mining wouldn't hold up under the FISA court, they could have been using it in their extra... They've never said we've jettisoned probable cause. I mean, Gonzalez was very clear in front of the Senate. We still believe... I mean, there was this a little bit this slide to something else called reasonable belief, right. but the administration backed away from that, and they have been saying, no, no, we are only doing domestic surveillance with probable cause. But the cause. other thing is, in a way, this is sort of not germane because they're not actually bringing any cases, right? They're not actually prosecuting anybody. Well, I mean, that is... Let's see. Well, it's not germane. I mean, does that mean to you that you only care about the government listening in on the phone calls if they lead to wrongful prosecution? Or do you just think... Or are you worried about that? No, no. No, I would worry about the government listening in on the phone calls. But I'm saying as as a matter of 
whether or not they can then use this for probable cause to develop a case against someone. It doesn't seem that that actually, what they seem to be using this is a sort of a war technique rather than a criminal justice technique, that this, they're using this to fight their war on terror, which they are doing with, you know, by, with rendition and by, you know, rousing people out of their beds in Pakistan and things like that, not True. by prosecuting them in American courts of law. Well, not American courts of law. I mean, there are, are probably people in Guantanamo that, they, whose efforts to be not labeled enemy combatants and get out through the military tribunal process have been denied because of some information that was collected through this data mining. But we don't know the answer to that because we don't know why all of that secret. So it's a problem. I mean, you have to... I think we have to assume that, yes, you're right, most of this is being used in the way you thought of, but we don't know exactly how all of it's being used, I think. And we don't even know, of course, from the government whether it's actually being done at all, because they're not admitting that it's happened. Right, and that's a huge problem for challenging it in the courts. I mean, whatever you think of the merits of an absolutist civil liberties position, and I don't, I'm not an absolutist on this at all. I mean, I agree with you about routing information. Still, it seems troubling that there's probably a lot going, or it seems like it's possible there's quite a bit going on on that people don't know about. And then, you know, the best plaintiff you have is like, you know, some journalist. That was the ACLU lawsuit. It was kind of late. We're frogs in uh, slowly boiling water. It goes up one degree, one degree, and we're like, ooh, it's getting kind of hot in here. Getting kind of hot in here. But as but this Democratic senators continue to say, well, it's kind of hot in here, but, uh, oh, come on. It's like the Caribbean. We'll be okay. <laughs> and they make another rationalization, another rationalization, and next thing you know, we're in boiling water and we're dead. You, this is how democracy breaks down. Why would you allow them to break any federal law? Why is that even being discussed? This guy should have been chased out of the room in this hearings. They should have been like, no, no, I'm being dead serious, okay? They should, wait, 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 you, you tell me you can break any federal law you like because the president told you so? And you tell me you, you might be able to break other federal laws? And then I ask you, is this the whole program? And you say, I'm not at liberty to disclose. Well, here's my uh, point. You either disclose it now or I'm not at liberty to confirm you to be the next CIA director. Well, I mean, the guy has the nerve to come up and say, well, maybe I'll break more laws, maybe I won't. What are you going to do about it? Not confirm me, bitch. And they say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, we'll confirm you. No problem, sir. Closed-door session. We'll get a spanking. It'll be great. Thank you, sir. What other laws would you like to break, sir? God damn it. And then they ask him, how about the waterboarding and the torture and holding terror suspects, terror suspects, without indefinitely, without any trial? You say, you say this is the long war, right? So are we going to hold them? This is a literal question. Are we going to hold them for decades? I'm not at liberty to disclose. Closed session. Closed session. Closed session. I'm not at liberty to disclose. Let's go to the closed session. We're I want to know what happens in the closed session. Not a damn thing happens in the closed session. I'll tell you that right now. You turn those cameras off, those Democrats get even softer. They're like, they start melting. They're jelly. Not all of them. I'm telling you, Wyden Feingold Levin, to some degree, did a good job. 
But you think those guys who are posturing to their base to some degree, when they turn the cameras off, they're going to get tougher? Who thinks that? Who thinks that? Yeah, but screw up being a, a, a you know, party issue. I mean, why don't the Republicans get tougher? Ah, <laughs> that's a good one, Joe Pike. That's a good one. Because the Republicans at this point, all these senators, everyone on that committee, are nothing but apologists. I, look, I was going to give them 18 different adjectives. I'm going to spare the adjectives, okay? They're very, they're bad people. They don't give a damn about our democracy. No, I, I don't think they give a damn about our democracy, but I guarantee you in the next two years, the American people are going to wise out that this administration has just uh, they already have, dragged they said, us through the mud. The guy's at 29%. How much no, more do they have I'm to saying. wise up? They're going to have these to Republicans don't from care. This, administration, this is the perfect time to do it. I don't understand why they're not doing it. They, look, Beyond the fact that, they, I mean, this administration goes against all the basic principles and ideals of the Republican Party. They don't care. They don't care. Look, I mean, in the middle of all this controversy, when the president's poll numbers are down at 29%, they nominate a guy who's already admitted to breaking the FISA law as the NSA director, who's openly lied in public. There's quote after quote after quote, and, they were, and the senators did a good job of presenting those quotes today, of the guy lying in public. And what does Bush do? He says, yeah, I don't care about that controversy. I don't care how unpopular I am. I'm going to nominate him. They could nominate Stephen Capps, the guy who they're going to nominate for the number two position at the CIA. And I wouldn't object. Nobody would object. He'd get it in in a cakewalk, and everybody thinks he's competent and good. But instead, they say, eh, here you go. Here's another guy that's going to cover for us, that's going to break more laws. I'm going to rub it in your face. And what is the reaction? At first, the Republican senators come out and they're like, uh, Hoekstra, also congressman, uh, head of the intelligence committee. I don't know about this. I don't know. They make up an excuse. Oh, he's part of the military. I don't know if it's a good idea. And then Carbo comes in and goes, bam, bam, and gives him a couple of bitch slaps. Says, get in line, bitch, right? And what do they do? The Hagels and the Snows and the and the Widens and the Hoekstras, all of them, okay? They all get in line and go, uh, sorry, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you will be confirmed. You're a great, great general. We love you so much. Thank you so much for protecting us against Al-Qaeda. That's what Carl Rowe told me to say. I'll do anything he says. I don't care if the president's at 29%. I don't care if I'm losing by 10 points back at home. I'll do it. I'll do anything you say because I love the Republican Party so much more than I love the country. I don't give a damn about the country. All I care about is my Republican Party. Those are your Republican senators. Enjoy. Tell me if there's something I can do Cause lately all I'm thinking of is you So I tried to write you a love song But all the music came out wrong So I hope that you dance along those are some of the stories making headlines around the country and around the world this morning. But every day here at the Rachel Maddow Show, we enjoy poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine, giving you a little peek at their political playbook. Today's underbelly tactic um, is amassing power for its own sake. This is kind of what I've latched onto as my main beef with the Bush administration, uh, making the president a king, uh, making government power the least accountable, least open, most secretive, most uncheckable, most unbalanceable power that they can for its own sake, changing the government. And we've seen it a million times over, right? The president could just veto bills 
uh, that he doesn't like. Veto legislation coming out of Congress that he doesn't like. But instead of doing that, he issues these signing statements in secret instead, which can't be overturned by anyone. Uh, they can't be overridden by Congress. They aren't publicly released. They just assert his uncheckable, unbalanceable power, these signing statements. Another example, they could uh, put terrorism suspects on trial, right, in the court system that we've got and hold them in the prisons that we've got, public justice, right? But we prefer to do it in secret. We prefer to fly suspects all around the world in unmarked planes and put them in black site prisons that we deny exist. And if we try them, if we ever put them on trial, in closed military tribunals. That doesn't make us any safer, by the way. It just makes our system of government more secret and unaccountable. It just gives us less information and everybody less oversight of this process, right? They have the options to do these things within the system. They have the option to do these things legally and above board, and they consistently choose instead to do them the illegal way. It's like if you had a crosswalk outside your house, right? And, and, and you were, and so every single day when you cross the street, instead of crossing that crosswalk, you decided just to run through traffic instead. You, you're getting to the same place, but you prefer the illegal way, the secret, in, in the case of this government, it's the secret way, the way that is totally exempt from the checks and balances of government, from the oversight of Congress, from prying public eyes, from, and from journalists, of course. And by choosing the secret illegal ways of doing stuff, they systematically increase their power in government and decrease our power as citizens to know about and control the way our government runs. So there's news today from the Baltimore Sun um, that the government in the late 1990s developed a pilot program that could have gathered up all of the phone records, all of the information that they're gathering now with this NSA spying scandal thing, right? All the eavesdropping could have done it all, except the pilot program they developed in the late 90s would have done it legally. Would have done it. They designed a program that would do these things, but they would do it in a way that wouldn't violate American privacy laws. They designed this program. It was called Thin Thread. And interestingly, what the, what the Baltimore Sun article is mostly about uh, is the fact that this Thin Thread program would do just as good a job, or in fact, as best they can tell, a significantly better job than what they're doing now to illegally get this information. But after 9-11, they decided to shelve the legal program. They decided to shelve Thin Thread and not go with that one and instead develop an illegal program. They would prefer to do it the illegal way, even if they can't get as good, an inf- good of information as they could have with the legal program that they'd already been piloting for years. They would prefer to have a worse program. They'd prefer to make Americans less safe, if that's their plan here, as long as they can go with an illegal program. They want to do things in an illegal way because that changes the government. It changes the relationship of us as citizens to our government. It changes it to make them much more powerful and to make us much more helpless in the dark out of the loop with no way to fight back. With tactics like these, at some point we're going to have to decide as a nation if it is fundamentally important to us to be a country under the rule of law or not. I say it is. I say that's numero uno. And and I think it's going to be wicked hard to put this all-powerful, unaccountable government genie back in the bottle, even after the Republicans get kicked out of office this November and in 2008. It's going to be hard to recreate an accountable government after what they have done to it over these years of the Bush administration. We have work to do.
Hayden was the head of the NSA when they decided to do all-out warrantless spying. Uh, time and again, he lied over and over in public, saying, Oh, we would never track domestic calls. No, 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 no. What we're doing is strictly legal, reasonable standards of the Fourth Amendment. And then somebody would say, well, what about the warrant standard uh, in the Fourth Amendment? He's like, oh, there's no such thing. The guy was the head of the NSA and apparently had never even read the Fourth Amendment. And, I mean, we'd talk about it in public and well, I, while he was doing propaganda for the, for the Bush uh, administration and didn't even understand what the Fourth Amendment said. Forgot the whole second half of it. Anyway, so uh, I, it was incredibly important, I think, to us because is he taking, and I think for the country, going to take the law-breaking that he did at the NSA and the terrible, shoddy intelligence work that he did and bring it to the CIA. Now, we talked a lot about that during the hearings earlier today. We're going to talk more about it in a second, and we're going to take your calls on it, too. But what I found out in, in this hour or so is I Isabel was – we had a number of uh, listeners who were emailing us throughout uh, the broadcast during the hearings, and one of them was Isabel, and she sent me a, the Baltimore Sun article. Uh, and during the hearings, um, actually, uh, General Hayden referred to the Baltimore Sun article and in passing confirmed it. He said, as the Baltimore Sun said today – Meaning this article. Mm -hmm. And while the hearings were going on, I didn't have a chance to read the whole thing. I read the first like half of the article, and then afterwards I read the whole thing. And when, once you read the whole article, and we've got it up on the website now on theyoungturks.com, please, please read it. You realize General Hayden is even worse than we imagined. Okay, now why? We already know he broke the law, he lied, he covers for the Bush administration, blah, 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 blah. Now, what else did he do that we found out in this article? By the way, the article has four sources from inside the National Security Agency. Inside the NSA, where General Hayden worked, four different sources. And, and as I mentioned, General Hayden, in passing, confirmed it. To they say that there was a program that uh, was designed called Thin Thread. And this program was designed to kind of do data mining, along the lines that we've, uh, to some degree, you know, the data mining that we've objected to in some ways that the uh, Bush administration is doing now. Now, let's talk about the differences of Thin Thread and what wound up happening. In Thin Thread, uh, they were supposed to do, apparently, do this program they, and monitor all these calls. But it was an absolutely key difference. They were going to encrypt the calls. So it didn't say Jill Pike from 323-555-1212, right? It, said, it, it didn't say the number at all. But the program would run until it ran into what it considered a threat matrix, mm -hmm. like where, wait a minute, there's this fishy, there's something wrong here. And at that point, then they would get permission to decrypt it, to figure out what numbers were, and then start an investigation, because they would have already met the threshold for, you know, the next step of being able to take away the encryption. Now, that makes a ton of sense. Right, and it, I felt like in some of his answers, he was answering as if that was the type of method that was happening, because I, I feel like one of them... One of the senators asked, well, what do you think about if, you know, people abuse this and they look at other other records, people's phone numbers and all that? He's like, I don't see how that could possibly be possible, how it could get to that point, meaning it could never be encrypted if it didn't hit that target where it, it fell into the code of suspicion. Right. But that is not the case because right now they're not encrypting anything at all. They're just seeing your number and the numbers you called, you know. As I think uh, John Stewart was joking around on the Daily Show, you know, one nine hundred gay dot com or whatever. You call that number, they see it. It's right there. Your number, that number. Your number, that number. Whatever number you're calling. Now, there's no encryption whatsoever. Now, 
It turns out when you read the Baltimore Sun piece, you find out who killed Thin Threat. Something, by the way, here's a, a, another very important fact about Thin Threat. Apparently, back in 1998, General Hayden, by the way, was the head of the NSA even back under the Clinton administration at those times. Uh, they ran this in 98 and 99 and different trials, and apparently it worked really well. They, it spotted the threat matrix a lot better than anything we've done even since then. And who killed Thin Threat? It appears, according to the sources, General Michael Hayden. Now, why did he kill Thin Threat? Now, to be fair to him, in the beginning, before September 11th, the NSA lawyers objected, said, oh, look, this is surveillance of domestic uh, numbers. Uh, yes, they're encrypted, but there's still uh, domestic surveillance. We're not supposed to be doing it. And they raised objections. So Hayden was concerned about those objections. I believe that. Okay, And it looks like their sources are good ones, and I believe that that was a legitimate objection that they had. Now, what they could have done, and here's another important difference is, they could have then gone to uh, the president and Congress and said, hey, look, we've designed this thing, and here's our privacy protection aspect of it. So we're going to protect the privacy. Will you allow us to do it? I think that would have been a very legitimate debate, and Congress could have voted one way or another on it, and that would have been totally fine. But after September 11th, oh, by the way, wait, let me not miss this incredibly important uh, detail here. So Thin Thread gets killed partly because of that at the time. It doesn't get implemented. Then after 9-11, they say, all right, time to break out Thin Threat, right? You think, this is it. They got it. They already have the program. Let's run it. It already, they feel pretty good about how much it works. The president has asked, what else can we do? Why not run this? Because it turns out, General Michael Hayden backed another program. It was called Trailblazer. It cost $1.2 billion. It proved to be a boondoggle, completely inefficient, did not work at all, and during the hearings, that's what they were talking about when they talked about computers lying all over the place, completely unused, and a complete mess. But in that bureaucratic infighting, for whatever reason, General Hayden has had his horses in trailblazer. So, And the inside source from the NSA, again, according to the Baltimore Sun article, say, no, everybody knew Thin Thread worked better than trailblazer but you didn't want to say that a lot of times because you knew the head of the nsa favored trailblazer apparently again this is in the uh, article there were some politicians behind trailblazer so it might not be like general hayden was going to make money off of trailblazer but there was political pressure on him for whatever reason and he backed trailblazer well trailblazer turned out to be the wrong horse to bet on it was totally ineffective didn't work and instead of going to Thin Thread, to something that does work and does protect your privacy, what did they do after September 11th? They took the gloves off and they said, we're going to take out that encryption, decryption. We're going to take out all those safeguards. The only thing we're going to run from that program is the one where we do domestic surveillance. We track the calls. We see everybody you've called. And it is no privacy protections whatsoever. When we're going to do it to all the Americans, all as many Americans as we could possibly do, whether they're connected to Al Qaeda, they're not connected to Al Qaeda, no protections whatsoever. Are and, they? Sorry, don't interrupt. But one, one last thing. And who do we have to thank for all that? General Michael Hayden, who it looks like after those hearings will be easily confirmed as your new CIA director. Are they lazy? Do they not know how to do their jobs? I mean, it seemed like there was a system set up where they could have effectively tracked terrorist calls. I mean, why, why in the world do they need to, to have everybody, every American's phone records recorded? I mean, do they really, I mean, did they set it up because they want to do something 
bad with it. They do want to abuse it. They want to use it for their own political gain and for whatever reason they have stored in the back of their mind. I don't understand. I don't understand why they would go away from a system that works perfectly. Well, first of all, they never implemented the system, but all the tests indicated that it worked very, very well and much better than anything we have right now. Uh, but apparently, you know, these uh, conservatives keep yelling, have you forgotten 9-11? No, apparently they've forgotten 9-11 because apparently we learned nothing from 9-11. Wh what are the two reasons that are uh, hinted at at the Baltimore Sun article for going with uh, Trailblazer and then eventually the unprotected program rather than Thin Thread? One uh, political people were behind Trailblazer. You know, you know how these things work. It turns out there's like, uh, and, and I'm this, uh, I'm making this up, uh, a hypothetical. Like a, a senator from Kentucky and a senator from Washington, and it turns out the Trailblazer program is, uh, you know, assembled in Washington and Kentucky. So they don't care if it works better or worse than Thin Thread, which is put together in Michigan and Connecticut. So they make sure the Trailblazer wins, mm -hmm. even though it doesn't do anything to protect the American people. And then the second part of it, according to the uh, article again, is apparently the NSA bureaucrats, the officials there, were worried that, tr that Thin Thread was so good it would identify how well a job they were doing and how efficient they were at picking out the right threat matrix. And right or wrong, they were threatened by that because they thought, oh, no, it's going to judge my performance. So they lobbied against it. The concern of safety and efficiency and efficacy almost never came into play. And so they asked these sources, they said, how quickly could, uh, you know, could you have switched over to a encryption and decryption system, or would it have taken so long that it would have totally gummed up the works, to answer your question, Jill? And they said, it would have taken minutes, not hours. Minutes! In minutes they could have switched to it. But nope, politics, bureaucracy, killed it and then these guys have a dog and pony show today at the senate hearings all patting each other on the back about a, what a great job they're all doing uh, and it was all because al-qaeda's coming to get us and they're going to protect us when you fly i mean man when you see the man behind the green curtain or you take the blue pill or take whatever analogy you like and you see what's really happening in the world it sickens you Those are some of the stories that we're keeping an eye on here today on The Rachel Maddow Show. But every day, as you know, we do enjoy poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine, giving you a little peek at their political playbook. Today's underbelly tactic uh, is shutting down oversight, shutting down investigations, shutting down any attempt to review or hold accountable actions of the government when it does something wrong. Uh, you might remember um, earlier this week on the Underbelly when we talked about uh, Kenneth Blackwell, uh, who is the Secretary of State in Ohio. Kenneth Blackwell insisting that if there was going to be an investigation into his conflicts of interest as Secretary of State and candidate for governor in uh, in Ohio, as the man who chaired the Bush-Cheney campaign while running the Ohio election for Bush and Cheney's re-election, as a man who bought stock in Diebold while he was giving Diebold a sole source contract to provide voting machines in his state, any investigation into those conflicts of interest would best be performed by himself. 
Today's underbelly tactic is kind of an extension of that. Other ways to shut down, neutralize, and, and, and eliminate any potential consequences from investigations into bad or potentially illegal government behavior. Here's the story. Democratic Congressman Maurice Hinchy of New York. Um, in reference to the NSA spying scandal, where the National Security Agency has apparently been wiretapping Americans without a court order, which is very obviously in violation of very clear U.S. law on this subject. Maurice Hinchy of New York said, hey, I, I know you will not let us uh, in Congress investigate the NSA spying program itself. And I know that the Republicans who control Congress are not interest in, uh, interested in there being any real review of this. So uh, but but I, I'm interested in one specific element of how this program came to be. Maurice Henchy said, apparently, Justice Department lawyers were involved in coming up with the bogus legal reasoning that has justified this very obviously illegal program. And so I think the Justice Department has some explaining to do about its own lawyers. Maurice Henchy asked the Justice Department to investigate, to send its own internal investigators to look into the behavior of that agency's own lawyers to see if Justice Department lawyers did anything illegal or unethical when they helped write the legal justification for this illegal program. Well, yesterday, the Justice Department sent Maurice Henchy a fax. And the fax said, hey, yeah, uh, remember that thing you wanted us to investigate? Turns out we can't. And so we won't. We went to the National Security Agency to ask if we could investigate our lawyers and the fact that they were involved in setting up this program and was that unethical. We asked if we could do it, and they said no. They said that we, the Justice Department of the United States of America, does not have the appropriate security clearance to investigate the NSA wiretapping program, or in fact anything that happens at the NSA. Our own government does not have the authority, the security clearance to investigate our own government. It's too secret, even from ourselves, to investigate. So, Thinking about the intelligence agencies here and the National Security Agency where this has been happening, the budget of this agency is secret. Its programs are secret. Neither Congress nor the Justice Department can investigate anything it does because the agencies are secret. And, 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 and the agencies and all of their programs are operating at a higher level security clearance than anybody else in the government can get. So you deny the investigators a security clearance, and magically, their ability to investigate you disappears. Does the phrase out of control mean anything to you? How about run amok? How about unaccountable? How about unsustainably, unconstitutionally un-American? Anybody? Does that make any sense at all? Congress has been made totally irrelevant here. The internal power of the government to investigate itself has been made totally irrelevant here. The court system has been made totally irrelevant here. The Constitution has been made totally irrelevant here. They've completely run amok. Young Turks, Jank, Ben, and Jill with you. Uh, I've been thinking of great uh, ideas for Republicans. Uh, you know what? If you don't mind living in a state where we track all your calls and stuff, why? Look, if we're going to catch illegal activity, terrorists or otherwise, 
let's put a video camera in everybody's house. If you're not doing anything wrong, why should you be bothered? And look, maybe we'll put it in your uh, living room. Because, but what if you smart and you move it to a kitchen and you? What if you're doing those plans, your t- secret Al Qaeda plans that all of you are involved in, according to the president? Uh, but we you put the video camera in your bedroom just to be safe. If you're not doing anything wrong, what's the problem? They're not going to bother. There's so much videotape. They can't watch it all. What's the problem? Let's just invade your whole privacy. Why leave it at just the phone calls? If you want to give away your rights and you want to give away your liberty and your freedom, just do it wholesale. And now, by the way, and this is going to seem like a radical comment, it is not at all. I see exactly how Germany happened mm-hmm. with people who said... But it's not me. It's the fucking Jews. Right. And, you know, it's not me. I'm not doing anything wrong. And my it's government is just out to protect us as a whole. It's the terrorists outside and the Czechs and the Russians that are all going to come in here if we don't tell have Hitler protect us. I like your video analogy. I think that'll actually resonate really well with people that don't seem to get how important this is. Checks and balances. They're in the Constitution for a reason. They're important. Democracy. That's not important. I thought we were trying to spread it throughout the world. That's where you're wrong. Young Turks. Could Democrats be doing differently from what they're doing now in order to win? That is the question we answer on the Underdog Democrat podcast. Find us on the web at underdogdemocrat.com or run a search on iTunes for Underdog Democrat. Tactics and strategies for the Democratic Party. Hi, this is Shelley of the podcast Citizen Against Lies. I'm a proud member of the Progressive Podcast Network. Visit us at newmediarevolution.org. We are podcasting information and attitude 365 days a year. Why? Because knowledge is power. Be powerful.